Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today we are going to talk about relationship wellness. So I'm going to give you some tips to improve the health of your relationships. I think as fit pros and fit enthusiasts, we are all into a healthy lifestyle, healthy nutritional habits, healthy habits when it comes to fitness. But what about the health of our relationships? Because I think that you can't separate the two because we take work home and we take home to work. And so whether those relationships are with a significant other, whether they're with a spouse, a best friend, friends, parents, siblings, our kids, whoever it is, our relationships matter. They keep us connected to the world. They keep us grounded. And also our relationships are also a mirror through which we see ourselves. So the better our relationship, the better our mirror, the better our reflection that we see ourselves in and the better the way that we see other people. So here's the deal. I think that, um, You know, most of us, our relationships aren't what we see on TV. I don't know about you, but my friendships, I love my girlfriends. I've had so many friends, guy friends, girlfriends over the years, but we don't get to meet at the local cafe like they did on Friends and just diss about everything that's going on in our lives. We just don't have that opportunity to do that. And now we are such a Zoom connected world. Um, Chances are our spousal relationships, our relationships with significant others, they don't look anything like they do on TV. We don't generally resolve conflict as readily or as easily. And so that being said, there's another component to that. And I think that our relationships, the dynamics of them have changed significantly due to what's going on in the world. So before I deep dive into these ways to make our relationships healthier, I do want to put it out there that I think that our relationships are under more stress than they maybe have been in years past, because chances are we're spending more time together. I know that for me and my spouse, it's the first time after three decades of being married that we are both working in one home and have been for a couple of years now. So we're so used to having that separation during the daytime where at least one of us is gone. And so when you have more time with one person, but less time maybe with friends who you're used to seeing, but maybe you're not getting on planes as much as you used to, or you're not seeing your family or your siblings as much as you used to. Sometimes we have a tendency to have put more pressure or more expectations on that one relationship that we're with the most. And so that puts even more pressure on these relationships that might have already been under some pressure. So keep in mind that sometimes we might have these expectations for the person that we're living with that we wouldn't have had if the world was the way that it used to be and we had more dynamic interactions with everyone. So I say all that not to be doomsday, but in fact, to say that I think that that begs for these tips even more, because if we're going to spend more time together, we might as well have better ways to interact with one another. So maybe this is coworker relationships, whatever you get out of this, use it in all of your relationships, because I think it applies to everything. So here's some tips to nourish your relationship the way that you nourish your personal health, because relationships take work right? So number one, I think spending time apart. And I thought that was a great way to start my tips on how to better your relationship to tell you to spend time apart, right? Not at all what's expected. 
But the thing is, is that if you've ever read any work by Esther Perel, she is a therapist. She's got a podcast. She's done so much research on the health of relationships. And she wrote a book called um, Mating in Captivity, Unlocking Erotic Intelligence. And basically in there, she talks about how separateness really feeds the soul of a relationship because we can't spend too much time with one another because a lot of times it just breeds some unhealthy behaviors. So why do we want to spend time apart? Well, as counterintuitive as it might be, it gives you and your partner much needed autonomy and personal space. Every one of us benefits by building our relationships by spending time together. And we benefit by building our relationships by spending time alone, by doing things with our partner that we love and doing things alone that we love. Because I think that the key to this is that we have time in self-reflection. And self-reflection is a key component to our personal health and to our relationship health. When we spend time from one and away from one another, we get to kind of rediscover or tap into, again, who we are and what's important to us. We get to touch base with our own personal needs. And we have this sense of autonomy and independence so that we're valuable not just to that significant other, but we're also valuable to ourselves. Ultimately, this benefits us, but it also benefits the person that we're with. As a therapist, I always, always suggest that couples spend intentional time apart and they spend intentional time together. So maybe you want to take dance classes with your best friend. Maybe you go out for an hour walk by yourself in the evenings. Maybe you join a book club, whatever it is. Find that something that you enjoy. And I would encourage you to encourage your partner to find that something that they enjoy. So when you do this, you really appreciate that time that the two of you spend together even more. Because let's face it, we need to have time to miss each other once in a while, right? So you aren't as likely when you spend time apart to um, take one another for granted. You actually, again, have time to miss one another. And also, you know what? You invite more interesting material into your conversations. If your spouse goes to play pickleball and you go to book club, you both come home with stories. You both come home with different things that you can share and laugh about. And it just adds more fuel to the conversation, right? It's like frosting on top of the cupcake. It's a different flavor all the time because you come in and you have different stories to share. Not to mention, you kind of get to see each other through a fresh lens. In the stories that your partner tells you, you see them through the lens that other people see them. So again, check out some work by Esther Perel because, you know, she's got this great quote and it says, when intimacy collapses into fusion, it is not a lack of closeness, but too much closeness that impedes desire. Our need for togetherness exists alongside our need for separateness. Thus, separateness is a precondition for connection. This is the essential paradox, she says, of intimacy and sex. So again, intimacy isn't just intimacy physically, physical intimacy, but it's also emotional intimacy and connection. So again, I'm Angie and I am talking about relationship wellness. I'm talking about ways that we can improve our relationships with our kids, our partners, our spouses, our parents, whoever it is. I think that time apart is good for everyone. So let's see here. Let me tell you the next tip. The next tip is communicate 
to build connection. So my first tip was spend time apart. My second one is communicate to build connection. So to talk about communication, I feel like I could spend an entire segment. I could probably do a whole series on communication, but there's one communication tip that I really want to share. And I found it in my research when I was studying the Gottmans. The Gottman Institute is uh, Dr. John Gottman and Julie Gottman. They've spent their life doing research with couples. They've been in this over 40 years and they're big, big researchers on couples. They've worked with over, you know, studied over 3000 couples and they've done the most extensive research research on marital stability. So John Gottman has this great tip where he suggests that we invite in the 20 minute conversation. And this is my tip for communication. The 20 minute conversation is time that we set aside each day for us and our partner to talk face to face. So again, this could be used with your best friend. This could be used with a spouse of 20 years. This could even be used with your kids. But you're setting aside a time to connect and speak with one another for 20 minutes each day. Gottman calls it the stress-reducing conversation because it improves your ability to communicate with one another. It builds connection. And it encourages you to be fully present and focused on one another. So this means no cell phones, no devices, no TV, no answering the phone, just 20 minutes of face-to-face, eye-to-eye communication and contact where you share narrative and stories with one another. Maybe this is where you share the book club stories. Maybe this is where your partner shares the pickleball stories, but you come together and you share your stories. So this is a way for one, each of you to kind of tap in and actually listen to one another and, and make sure that life doesn't get in the way of, of, you know, you sitting back and talking to a friend one day and being like, I don't remember the last time my spouse and I, or my partner and I sat down and actually had a conversation. And sometimes people who aren't married, look at people who are married and they think, what do you mean you don't remember the last time? But life can easily get in the way and we can realize that we're not sitting down to have intentional conversation. So God, Gottman says that when couples take time to talk, then that way they ask questions with one another, they support each other, they weigh in, they show empathy, it strengthens their relationships, and they actually feel closer and more connected to one another. Remember, this works with anybody, with your kids, with anyone. But Gottman says that those 20 minutes will actually build trust, and it will remind you the power of being vulnerable with one another, and to remind one another that you're not alone. You're in this relationship with someone else. So again, I'm Angie. I'm talking about tips to improve your relationship. And the first tip was to spend time apart <laughs> so that you have some personal autonomy. And the second tip was to invite communication to, so that there's better connectedness. And that is a 20 minute conversation. All right. So if you're looking at me right now and you're thinking 20 minutes, hmm, I don't know, maybe start out with a five minute conversation a day or a 10 minute conversation a day. And you can build up from there, kind of like training. So my third tip is to go to sleep at the same time. There are a lot of couples who get into this routine where one person stays up later than the other person and they don't go to bed at the same time. But I have to tell you, there is endless research on the benefits of hitting the sheets together. And this goes way beyond intimacy, but that's a bonus too, right? But when couples go to, when couples don't go to bed together, the research supports that they lose connection with one another. 
They have less conversation, less intimacy. Even if you go to bed together and you binge on Netflix, it's still a sense of closeness and connectedness. It's still a time that you're sharing with one another. So going to bed together is really important because a lot of times, again, it leads to increased conflict. It leads to a sense that you're disconnected from one another. And uh, it's just a great way to do it. Sometimes, honestly, my spouse and I will lay in bed and we will. We'll watch Netflix together. But it's a time that we're spending together. And there's not one of us that's out in the living room and one of us that's upstairs working. So anyway, let's move on. Let's talk about the five to one, the five to one ratio. So I was looking up lots of different tips to improve relationships. Turns out there's a million tips to improve relationships. And I bet you've got a million of your own. In fact, I'd love to hear from you and hear what kind of relationships you have that work for you. But another one is to honor the five to one ratio. And basically that's just that marriages, friendships, and all of our relationships thrive when we're with a person who feels like we, we recognize them. We actually see them. We're in tune to them. We value them. We honor them and we appreciate them. And we can show this in so many different ways, whether it be verbal or nonverbal, but we thrive when we feel like people appreciate us at work and at home. As long as it's authentic, I don't think any of us out there would say, oh, there's, you know, I, I just don't like when people tell me good things. I think most of us thrive when we hear good things about our work, our personal, um, whatever it is. So the key is to kind of catch people doing good. And sometimes, especially when relationships are struggling, it can really help. You know, I find that a lot of times with couples, um, or people who've been together for a while, or even when you're raising teenagers, you get in this habit of, of only talking to the person when you're frustrated, or they've done something wrong or something to upset you. And it's almost like you're focusing on what's wrong instead of what's right. And so the five to one ratio means that you've got to pick five good things to one negative thing. So you have to come up with five things they're doing right. Five things you appreciate about them. If you're going to tell them something that you don't, we have to make the ratio go the other way. Otherwise it just feels like your partner is forever dissatisfied, or maybe your teenager feels like you're forever dissatisfied. So when you go to someone with something that you feel like they need to improve, have five good things that they do right. If you can't do five, do a three to one ratio or a two to one ratio. Just make sure that the positive side is higher than the negative side and at least double down. Like I said, at least a two to one relationship or a two to one ratio. It could be simple things like, thanks for taking the kids to school. Thanks for taking the dogs on a walk. Thanks for putting your dishes away. And again, these are things that you can share with kids, but it's just about catching people doing good. It's about looking for what's working versus looking for what's not working. Because you know, when you get down in the mud in your relationship, it's really easy to focus on what your partner is doing wrong or what other people are doing wrong, coworkers are doing wrong. But what about what is going well? What about what's going right? So, you know, sometimes it's just that daily routine, the daily contributions that your kids or your partners or people are making to your life that make your life better and you want to make them feel valued and recognized. Because trust me, when you do, they're going to do more of it. Okay, so the five to one ratio. Number five, fight fair. 
This is a big one. I don't think, you know, sometimes when couples tell me, oh, we never fight, I go, hmm, I'm not so sure. I think that's a wonderful thing. I think that we all disagree. And I think that disagreeing in relationships can actually be very healthy because we have to learn how to resolve conflict. Because at some point in a relationship, everybody's going to experience conflict. I think it's really difficult unless you just kind of melt into this person like a piece of hot chocolate. How are you going to have any personal autonomy in a relationship if everything this person says or does you agree with. So I think that it's normal to disagree, but it's how we disagree that matters the most. So none of us loves conflict. I don't, I don't think, I don't think most of us love to argue, but I do think that again, that it can be, it can be healthy and it can actually foster more closeness and better understanding when we are able to disagree and then come around the corner and resolve that conflict in a healthy way. So according to Gottman, Again, I go to Gottman for a lot of my research. They are just kind of the holy grail of research for, for relationships and couples. According to Gottman, kind of showing blatant disrespect, those are obvious ones, like rolling your eyes or showing contempt. Obviously, those things are destructive. But another kind of destructive habit when we fight is to blame. It's the whole blame game. It's the whole um, using absolutes. You never do this. You always do this. And it's the you, you, you. And it's a lot of projecting out versus a very, very simple thing, which is just the I statement. I feel like, I wonder, I worry, I'm concerned. This is keeping it all on you and not assuming that whatever you're upset about is your partner's quote fault. So soft tones, I statements, respect rather than criticism. And, you know, just basically communication that says, I really want to work this out with you. So being able to fight fair and a couple, couple ways that I kind of encourage couples to fight fair is be able to take a time out when you need to. Sometimes some people in a relationship, some people are not as emotionally regulated. In fact, you might have a partner who gets easily emotionally dysregulated. Maybe they anger quickly. And so maybe a timeout is necessary as long as you choose the time to have a time in to come back. To not just assume that if you take a timeout, your partner's just going to get over it. So if you take a timeout, set a 20 minute or a one hour, and then make sure you time back in. Maybe another, another thing that is sometimes helpful for couples is if you're in a room and you're just not making any headway at all, this might sound silly, but go to a different room. Sometimes just a different scenery, walking through a different door, having a different environment can just kind of change, shift the senses all around, and we are able to kind of reset our nervous system. Uh, make sure you're making eye contact with that person, um, using a level tone of voice, and also practicing reflective listening. So I heard you say this, and then kind of repeating back what you heard, and then kind of giving your thought on that. And then guess what? Last but not least, how about just agree to disagree when you need to? I don't think that all couples need to agree on every single topic and they can still love one another and they can still get along. Same with you and your teenagers, you and your friends, and you and any other relationship that you're in. So last but not least, my last tip is how about creating unique experiences? So, you know, sometimes we know what we know, and I'm going to go back to my own personal relationship. A lot of times, you know what, after three decades, you start to 
not have unique experiences. And so you really have to work hard to create those. So, you know, in December, we went to Washington, D.C. We rented Segways for the first time. I'd never rented a Segway. Might seem like a small thing, but I kind of love being Paul Blart. Okay. Oops. Just hit my whole system here. Sometimes, you know, whatever those unique experiences are, they can be very, very simple. They can be things that you've never done together, but try to create unique experiences, both individually, but also as a couple. So that again, you have unique conversations, ways to reconnect and rediscover one another. So again, I'm Angie. I'm so glad. I'm so appreciative to our NASM and AFA fitness pros and to all the fitness enthusiasts who listen. And I just want to go back over those tips that I shared with you today. So I shared um, six relationship tips. And the first one was basically just to spend time apart. The second one was to communicate for connection, which was that 20 minute conversation. The third one was try to go to sleep, go to bed at the same time. The fourth one was honoring the five to one ratio. The fifth one was fighting fair. And the sixth one was creating unique experiences. So you know what? I'm sure you have lots of tips and ideas. If you do, feel free to email me or share in the chat, however you want to reach out. But thanks again for joining me and I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.